Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. She was with a man who was abusive and who was an alcoholic, and my grandmother was her mother was super abusive to her and she was an alcoholic and my mom was doing drugs and drinking while she was pregnant, not to mention all the violence. I'm sure that was happening. And so, you know, you're, you're born into that and that becomes the framework and baseline for everything that you understand. Welcome to how my parents raised me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand What makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey my beautiful friend, do you suffer from depression? Symptoms of depression are not always obvious. You might feel constantly tired. You might be low in energy, low in motivation. You might have constant feelings of anxiety or worry, feelings of sadness or feeling constantly guilty about everything. If this sounds like you, take a look at Destroy Depression. It's a treatment plan that works regardless of your symptoms or your age. It's a totally drug-free, straightforward plan that explains everything you need to know about eliminating depression step by step. Destroy Depression helps you dominate your depression. It helps you take back control over your symptoms and it comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose 
and everything to gain. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about how Destroy Depression can help you because you really do deserve to live your life free from the symptoms of depression. Hey, my beautiful friends, and welcome to the podcast. We have had so many incredible guests on the podcast this year, and this week's guest is no exception. Michael Unbroken was born into deeply entrenched trauma from many generations past. And if you've not given that much thought so far to your history and where it has brought you to today, it's a really important thing to consider. Michael's mother was doing drugs and alcohol while she was pregnant with Michael. There was domestic abuse, violence and poverty. And Michael was basically on his own fighting to survive for as long as he can remember. Michael hit rock bottom after rock bottom in his life. But this man has something within him that makes him fight. That made him decide, I will not be a victim. And that has taken him from a place of complete hopelessness to a life where he is creating a community for survivors. He's writing books, he's producing a podcast, he's coaching, he's speaking to some of the most amazing humans on the planet and he is living life fully on his terms. Michael wants to make a difference and his goal is to end generational trauma in his lifetime. It is such a privilege to hear from someone who has decided that regardless of everything, he would not sit in a victim mentality. He would not live the life his ancestors carved out for him and he would create the life he knows he deserves. There is so much beautiful wisdom being shared in this episode. Please join me now for Michael's story. Hey, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Michael Unbroken is the author of the best-selling book, Think Unbroken. He is a life coach, a mentor, and educator for adult survivors of child abuse. And he is helping people to become the hero of their own story. And I love that so much. Michael hosts the Think Unbroken podcast, and he is on a mission to end generational trauma in his lifetime through education and information. Michael, your story is an extremely difficult one. Can you explain what was the situation you were born into? What was going on in your mother's world at that time? Yeah, well, I imagine chaos, right? Look at generational trauma and this idea that what happens in the womb continues in through birth. Well, you know, if you look at my family, our lineage, our legacy from what I come from, I mean, there's generations of trauma. I'm half Irish and half Nigerian. And so you have trauma dating back tens of thousands of years, not only through those moments and experiences of, of birth, but, you know, slave trade and famine and the list goes on and on. And, you know, we it's interesting the way that people think that somehow it's like we're only a generation removed from all of the things that have ever happened, but that's just not true. I mean, you you trace back our DNA and we're all a part of the same experience dating back to really the dawn of humanity. And so you're in this thing where people, I think, fail to realize and understand that we are more than just the experiences we're having. We're also a combination of all the experiences that have ever happened in our DNA for history, <laughs> you know? And so I know that's complicated and that's convoluted, but really what it comes down to is, you know, we have to recognize the truth that everything that's ever happened impacts us. And so my mother, especially at that time, from what I do know and understand is, you know, she was with a man who was abusive and who was an alcoholic. And my grandmother was her mother was super abusive to her and she was an alcoholic and my mom was doing drugs and drinking while she was pregnant, not to mention all the violence. I'm sure that was happening. And so, you know, you're, you're born into that and that becomes the framework and baseline for everything that you understand. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that is so important because we do forget the history of trauma. I think not many people are really speaking about that. We we know it's there, but we don't really think about the impact that it has 
on us specifically in this moment. And I know that there was a terrible incident when you were four years old. Can you can you speak about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the, the history with you. And I, I think that's always important because if we can give folks context, then they have a little bit better understanding of, of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this too, because I think it's incredibly important. I always say this before every show I'm on, before I'm on television, before anything is like, please don't compare your story, your journey to me. My move, my life is pretty crazy. It's like a damn movie. And I know it's going to sound unbelievable. I promise you all of it is true. And if we compare, we take away from ourselves. So please do not do that as I, I share this. So when when I was four years old, my mother, who's a drug addict and alcoholic, actually cut off my right index finger. And so multiple surgeries, multiple skin grafts. And when I was six, she married my stepfather, who was super abusive. You know, the kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather. He kicked the shit out of my brothers and I, put me in the hospital multiple times. And so I'm six foot four, 220. I'm the size of an NFL linebacker. He's my size. And imagine a man that big beating up a child daily, right? And so growing up, it was always being in a space of fear, of a space of shame, a space of guilt, never being able to have a voice, have an opinion. There was always a ramification. And, and that was what I understood to be life. Well, when I turned eight, we were massively impoverished, right? And we were even homeless for periods of time. In fact, I lived with over 30 different families between eight to 12 years old. People from our church, strangers, family members, my grandma, like sometimes we live in a van in an abandoned house. Like I never knew where we were going to end up. And in that window, one really interesting thing happened was I started to notice that like not every family was like my family. And what I mean by that was it started to make sense to me, like not everyone was violent. Not everyone was hurtful. Not everyone you know, would lock you in a closet if you spoke out of turn, right? And so I was getting access to all this information and recognizing like, wait a second, something about my life is massively wrong. Well, when I was about 12 years old, I'd been living by myself in our, our basically my stepdad's mother's house. So my mom had disappeared. She was in rehab again, No one had, she didn't tell anyone what happened. She was just gone. Apparently she went on this drug bender. Next thing you know, she's in state mandated rehab. Nobody can find her. My stepdad and her had started the divorce process. He had all but disappeared. And so I'm living in this house by my freaking self with no heat, no electricity, no water. And my grandmother had found out. And so six weeks or so goes by. I'm literally showering at school, stealing food from the big lots on the corner of 30th and Georgetown Road in Indianapolis, doing what, like not really knowing or understanding what's happening, just being like, I guess this is my life now. And so (laughs) my grandmother adopted me, which in some sense is like a godsend, right? Because it's like, oh, finally somebody. Well, yes and no. Again, I'm biracial, black and white. My grandma's an old racist white lady from a town in Tennessee in the middle of America you've never heard of. So like, insert identity crisis. And at 12 years old, I started getting high, like doing drugs. I was smoking weed, smoking cigarettes. I was popping pills. By 13, I was getting drunk, right? In my head as a kid, I looked at those things. I was like, oh, this is how you connect. This is community. This is brotherhood. What I understand now, of course, looking back on it, is like, oh, those are coping mechanisms. This was me stuffing everything down so I did not have to deal with the chaos of my reality. By the time that I was 15, I got kicked out of high school for selling drugs. And so here I am, I'm selling drugs, breaking in houses, stealing cars, running from the police. I'm getting shot at like some movie shit done, like some craziness. And I get a call one day from the guidance counselor at school. And she says, hey, you need to come to school. The dean wants to talk to you. And I'm like, for what? Like, you guys kicked me out already. Like, we have nothing to talk about. But my grandma overhears the conversation. She's like, go to school, figure out what this is. And I'm sitting in the library with the counselor and this lady I'd never seen before. And they go, you've been nominated to be in a last chance program. And we're going to give you an opportunity to graduate high school and not be whatever is destined for you if you don't create change. And I was like, well, what do I got to lose, right? And this amazing thing happened in that time period, two things. There's this really 
fascinating parlay. One, I put a restraining order on my mother and my stepfather. And two, you see my grades go from straight Fs to straight A's. Next thing you know, I'm captain of the wrestling team. I'm on the football team dating a cheerleader. I have a real job. I quit doing drugs. I quit drinking. I remove myself from a lot of those friends. And I've literally posted this report card. It's on the internet. Like, this is not bullshit. Well, a couple of years goes by. My mother gets sober for the first time ever. I'd never seen her sober. And at the same time, my grandmother had fallen into a coma. And so myself and my next youngest brother were living in this house by ourselves. My mother comes and moves back in with us, right? She's now sober. My grandmother's come out of the coma and she's like, hey, you need to help these boys come be their mother, take care of them. With Don, within 30 days, my mom is back to hiding alcohol bottles, drinking and driving, crashing her car, popping pills, stealing money. It was chaos. And what I know now, of course, retrospectively, she was in the place of her trauma. This comes to your question you asked me at the beginning, right? Now she's in the place of her trauma, of her abuse. She's reverting to her coping mechanisms and behaviors. And one night she attacked me. And I told her, and this was a really interesting moment in my life because my grades had started to fail again. I'm on the path to not graduating high school. I'm doing drugs every single day. Like, again, I'm in this cycle. And I told her after she attacked me, I said, if you ever touch me again, I'll kill you. And Don, I, I meant it. All the beatings, all the pain, all the everything, I'd never done anything about it, right? Because I'm like, that's my mom and blah, blah, blah. That, that indoctrination we have about family. And so later that day, I, I go, not only if you ever touch me again, will I kill you, but I'm never going to talk to you again. I knew, I know that's like this crazy thing to do at 18 years old. But I knew if I didn't make that decision, there's no way, no way I'd be here today doing what I'm doing. There's no way. And I realized something at such a young age that if I didn't put myself first, nobody was going to. And so until the day she died, I think I talked to my mother once or twice because I had to protect myself. And she ended up dying legless in some random place in Indiana from all the drugs, all the alcohol, all the chaos, right? Never healing, never breaking the cycle. And so as I'm going through this last phase of high school, my grandmother gets out of this coma. She's back in our home. My mother's away again, and I am just in whatever chaos you can imagine that someone could be in going through this. I end up not graduating high school. I go to summer school. And I'm in night school while I'm working a warehouse job. Like I'm literally taking, this is the early 2000s, right? So I'm taking these microchips and I'm putting them into motherboards on an assembly line, working for a giant computer company, 12 hours a day, four days a week. And I get fired. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did you, what, are, what is happening in your life right now? And the night before I got fired, I'm in night school and the teacher comes up to me and he goes, you know what? We're done with you. You don't want to be here. You're wasting everyone's time. We're just giving you the diploma. Get out. And I was like, what? You're going to give me the thing that I didn't earn? So now I have this fake diploma, basically, right? And I'm sitting in my car after getting fired. And I'm like, okay, hold on. What is the solution for all this? for homelessness, for poverty, for abuse, for everything that I've been through for the last 18 years that is so absolutely insane that I cannot even really understand it at that point in my life, you know? And I was like, oh, it's money. That's the thing that solves all these problems. It's money. Because if we had that, then maybe our lives would have been better. And so I made a declaration to myself. I said, by the time I'm 21, I want to make $100,000 a year legally. And like that legal part was super important, right? Because I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs more times than I can count. And my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Like I knew the path I was going down. Yeah. And so 
I took all those skills I learned in that last chance program. And at 18 and a half years old, I was in a leadership position at a fast food place with 52 people under me. And by the time that I was heading into 21, I landed a job with a fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education. I almost hit my goal. I was so damn close. I made $96,800. So close. But then my life became a complete disaster because you see, I didn't have clarity, right? I didn't really have any indication of what it was I wanted in my life. I didn't have any goals. I had no ambitions. The only thing I thought was going to fix and solve this problem, which we all know doesn't, was money. And so fast forward five years, I'm 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. I'm high from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. My little brother literally tells me, never talk to me again. You're not my brother. And I'm $50,000 in debt. Because money does not heal you, no matter what the fuck you think it is. And after the, the night of this just thousandth rock bottom, right? I just hit the bottom again. I'm like destroying everything again. I'm laying in bed. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake, and watching the CrossFit games. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this is the rock. This is the bottom. This is as bad as it gets. Yeah. And I I pulled myself up off that bed and I went in the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror and and to this day, I don't know why I did this, but I remember I just, I was like, fuck you, man. You need to do something about this. So I'm looking in the mirror and I remember being eight years old. And the water company had come and turned off our water. And look, they were always turning off our water, our heat, our electricity. We're getting evicted. Another Tuesday. This is not new. But for whatever particular reason on this day, I go in my backyard. I grab this little blue bucket. I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And for the first time, I stole water. And... I remember being there being like, you know what? When I'm a grown up, this will not be my life. And in a lot of ways, Don, it wasn't, right? On paper, anyone would look at my life and be like, that's insane that he could accomplish all this coming from nothing. But in so many ways, I was that hurt, lost little boy. And as I looked in that mirror and I realized the truth, I was breaking the promise I had kept to myself. And I asked myself a question. I said, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And I meant it. And that meant no more being the victim. No more blaming everybody for the shit I was doing. Go to therapy and be serious about it. Stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cheating, stop lying, get in shape, eat healthy food, learn, educate myself, become literate, stop being ignorant, all of the things. And that's what I did for years and years and years. And even to today, I still do it. And in fact, you know, it's funny. So I'm coaching my my group coaching and someone asked me like, how much have you like really done? Like, what have you really invested? Like, what have you really like learned in all this? And I was like, that's a great question. Let me do some math. So I went and I grabbed my credit card and I just started reverse engineering for the last 11 and a half, almost 12 years. And I was like, when did I pay for therapy? When did I pay for coaching? When did I pay for Don? This took so fucking long. It's not even (laughs) funny, but I wanted to know, like, I really wanted to know and what it came down to because of that, no excuses, just results mentality. I added it all up and I've spent over $265,000 and 6,400 hours on my personal development, therapy, coaching, and mentorship because I meant that no excuses, just results. Cause I had to end this cycle. And in that, one of the really interesting things that has started to happen is now we're helping other people do that to transform their trauma into triumph. 
And all this work, all this years, all this, everything has led to this moment here with you. Oh, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. I just, I think so many people would have just disintegrated, you know, they would have just ended up just like your mum did. There's so much wisdom there that a lot of kids in their teens are not going to have. Yeah. Um, great question, but I'll, I'll, I wasn't a kid at 18. Mm. I stopped being a kid a decade earlier. Yeah. I mean, I stopped being a kid the the first time that I had to go and steal food, mm. right? Eight years old. Like, so for me, the like, I was just tired of it, right? Mm. You, Tony Robbins talks about this a lot, and I think it's really powerful. He goes, we will only ever tolerate what we allow ourselves to tolerate. I had tolerated it. And even though I was a kid, you know, 18 years old, and I don't know shit about anything, I'm like, no more. I refuse this. And I think a big part of it is naturally I am stubborn. Like anyone who knows me, I'm, I'm having lunch or dinner with a friend for his birthday and he goes, you know what I love about you? You're one of the few people I know who always does what they say they're going to do. Don, I've always been that way, but I didn't have the right aptitude for so many things that mess my life up. And as I, and at 18 years old, looking at that situation with my mother, the foresight was obvious. Can you pay attention to the, this is so much about what life is, right? Can you pay attention to the signs? Can you actually look at them? And, and more importantly, are you willing to do something about what you find when you look at those signs. And so here I am in this situation. Now, again, my mother has crashed this car, drinking and driving, hit me for the 10,000th time. I was done. At some point, you got to be done. And the problem is some people aren't done because they're 45 and they're still in relationships with abusive and narcissistic parents with partners who don't care about them and treat them like crap, with family members who would much rather run them over with a car than help them up, right? And, and we live in this weird world where, and you know this, we hear this all the time. We live in this world where they say family over everything. Like, nah, not for me, not for my clients, not for the people that we work with and watch their lives transform, right? The, the thing that I was good at as a kid was setting boundaries. I didn't have that word then. That word didn't even exist. I don't even th I think the word boundaries only just started like three years ago. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a kid and I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. No. And, and so it just kept to, it, it just kind of grew, right? It, it just exponentially grew into this thing where the more I went through, the more I pulled away. And part of that is you know, looking back on it, understanding it is the trauma response, right? So I'm in the, I'm in a massive sympathetic state, right? I have a 10 on this thing called the A score, adverse childhood experiences survey, right? Go research that. If you don't know what it is, it'll change your life forever. I teach it actually. And, and so I discover like looking back, it's like, oh, of course I behaved that way. Of course I did that thing. Look at this trauma. And so a big part of pulling away, because eventually I did the same with my grandmother as well, not to the same extent, but my grandma's old racist. Like she, she was a shitty person to be around as a biracial kid. And so eventually I got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm done with you too. We're not going to do this. This is my life. And that's the thing that I was able to do was to take all of the data, extrapolate it for what it was. Most people hide. The truth is right here in front of you, right? Like people put it in front of you. They're like, hey, look, this is the real shit happening in your life right now. And then like, you've probably seen that meme on the internet, like the house is on fire. And then that like captions is this is fine. That's what people do when they're faced with truth. They go, no, nah, it's fine. Okay. Then don't complain because if it's yeah. fine, then that means it's, it's tolerable. And it yeah. was so intolerable for me at 18, these relationships, these friendships, these experiences with my family, I pulled away. In fact, there, besides my brother and my sister, I don't talk to any of my family because why they don't bring value to my life. They're takers. They seep. They are people who are unhealed, who are continuing the cycle. 
And and that's what I recognized at 18. I'm, I, this moment with my mother was like, Don, I know this sounds wild, but like I meant it. Like I was going to kill her if she ever touched me again. Yeah. Imagine like it's it's that concept like, like poking the bear. You can only do this so many times to a human before they have a full breakdown. And I was there. And so I made a decision. And that's the thing that is carried in through my life, even to today. Like I am very quick to make decisions. Because if you think about it and you ponder it and you get in that space and so many people are like, yeah, but I know I'm telling you right now, somebody's going to email me and they're like, you should this and that, or this and that. And it's your mother and it's your grandma and it's your family and this and that. It's like, no, I do not agree. Your life is your life. You don't get any choice in what you're born into. And for some people we're born into massive chaos. And that becomes our nomenclature for what we understand to be life. That's the baseline. We look at it, we go, oh, this is life. Yeah. I should accept it. And Don, I don't accept it. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, I speak to people every day and they are so stuck in, you know, this victim. I, I mean, people don't like it when you say victim mentality, but but people are just so stuck. You obviously were able to say no, to cut people out. It's it's so clear what needs to happen. What's your advice for people who really are just stuck in that place where they're just taking it? Yeah. Look, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the question. And you can look at life through the victim mentality. And I'll say this, like, I played the victim. I'm really good at it. I did that shit, but you know what? You have a decision to make about your life. This is your life. This is the thing people have to really latch onto your life. Yeah. Not there yours, but everything we've ever understood is it's theirs. Do what they say, act how they say, behave how they say, eat, drink, sleep, how they say, show up, how they say. And it's indoctrinated not only in our families, but in our schools. Raise your hand to go to the bathroom is the dumbest fucking thing on planet Earth. Like, think about this for a second, that level of indoctrination. Are you kidding me? I'm a human. I should be able to do what I want when I want to do it. No, no. Raise your hand to go to the bathroom. You're in third grade. And I get, look, we don't have to get in the details of it. I understand why you don't want third graders running around everywhere. But my point is this, at some point that continues. You're 18 years old. You don't know how to say yes. You don't know how to say no, right? And then you compile that with all the experiences of abuse that then reinforce this narrative that you don't have worth or value. How in the hell are you going to stand up for yourself and say no when every single time you've ever tried to, there's pain, there's suffering, there's ramifications? See, what I determined and what I understood to be really true, and I've had this conversation with a lot of incredible people, Dr. Gabor Mate. I mean, I'll, I'll just point to him. He and I had this conversation one day, and I said, I have this hypothesis. You tell me if it's right, or at least you tell me what you believe. I had this conversation with Judd Brewer, with Dr. Caroline Leaf, with Anna Lamke, with Tim Story, with Tom Bilyeu. Now I'm having it with you. Trauma, like that, that abuse that happens to us, like the thing that continues to impact us is not the moment. It's the emotional impact of the moment that carries the weight that stores in your psyche and in your body, in your physical, mental, emotional. And so when you're going through your developmental years and you're like, I'm going to attempt to be me in whatever capacity that means, right? That's whatever it is that is discovery as a child. And then you suffer for it, abuse, beatings, starvations, molestation, like whatever it is. Well, think about this for a moment. Your brain serves really two primary functions. Everybody always talks about survival, right? We all at this point, we get it. The brain is built for survival. Yes, we know that. The thing that's not discussed enough is the, call it primary function 1A, right? It's just right next to survival. It's meaning making. Because when we make meaning of the experiences of our life, it helps us be able to navigate the world. So if you live in a life in which in third grade or fifth grade or when you're 14, when you try to be you, 
right? Maybe it's the clothes you wear, the way you speak, the music you listen to, the food you eat, the way you show up, and you get hurt, literally sometimes physically hurt, emotionally hurt, berated for being you. The brain is making meaning of that, and it's going, shit, I better not be me. It's dangerous. And so guess what? That actually serves you for a period of time. Isn't it crazy that the safest thing you can do is not be you? Yeah. And then you're 24, 36, 52 years old. You don't know how to say yes. You don't know how to say no. You definitely don't know how to put boundaries in place to protect yourself. And so, of course, you can't move away from the people who hurt you. How could you? You've never one time been you. And that's what healing is. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like that, like, like seriously, I was talking to Dr. Meryl Bouquet. She's an amazing human. All she talks about is the somatic experience and healing trauma. And I said to her, the moment you can be you authentically, like really, and that's a word motherfuckers throw around, like authentic is such a word that people just drop all the time. But seriously, when you can be you as you are, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, financially, all the ways that a human being can exist, that is healing. And the only way that you can get to that is to first look at what is happening in your life that is keeping that from being a possibility. And for some people, it's your mother. Yeah, it is your mother. Oh my gosh, that's I love that explanation. That just puts everything into just so, it's just so clear the way you explained it then. And and it is that, isn't it? It's just being able to be ourselves and as you say that word authentic. Every time I use it, I'm like, "Oh god, it just sounds like it's just such a word at the moment that everybody's saying and but it really is about being your true self. How far do you feel that you are now your true self? So there's, I love that question. On the other side of the studio, there's a giant whiteboard in front of me. And I drew these two little stick figures, right? I'm terrible at drawing, but they're little stick figures, little stick figure head and one smiling. Well, they're both smiling. And so they're on either side of this chasm. And there is this big writing that I did in the middle. It says, close the gap. Okay. So on the right side over here, this other stick figure, this is like the person I know I'm capable of becoming. I believe that one day I can be that person, right? But over here is the person I am today, okay? The only way I'm going to become the person I believe I can become is by closing the gap. And closing the gap is about, it's very kind of literal, take action to become that person. Self-actualization is so much in this experience of healing that it really should be taught in school. You know, you think about when you're a little kid and your teacher's like, you better not try to be a ballet dancer or play in the opera or be a basketball star or football player because it's probably not going to happen. Like that is, that is theft. Like people should go to prison for teaching kids that, right? And so every, then you have to teach yourself how to become you. Yeah. Think about how crazy that is. You have to teach yourself how to become you. And the only way you can teach yourself how to become you is by taking action every single day to become you. 
right? And so you asked me this very interesting question. I'm as me as I can be today because I'm willing to do multiple things. One, and when you learn this, it'll change your life. This is probably predominantly number one. One, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. If you don't like me, my tattoos, my accent, my hair, my watch, my clothes, my books, my podcast, my coaching style, I do not care because I am serving people because I believe that that is the truest calling and purpose of all of the chaos I've been through. So if you don't like that, I say, fuck, I don't care. Not my problem. Your opinion has nothing to do with me. Yeah. That's freedom. From a societal perspective, when you look at this container we're in, where everybody's measuring themselves against everybody else, I don't give a fuck. But why? Think about this. Because the only thing I ever knew was you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not capable enough. You don't matter. You're a loser. You're dumb, fat, stupid. All I ever did, Dawn, was listen to everybody else. So I started closing the gap and eliminating everyone else's opinions from my life. Then I started getting massive clarity about what I wanted. You remember what I told you when I was 18? I said, I'm going to make $100,000 a year by the time I'm 21. I had massive clarity about that. I did it. Well, damn near. I mean, come on, it's right there. It's like an inch away, right? But then I ended up making almost a million dollars. Money became that primary focus. My life was destroyed, right? I did not have clarity about the other aspects. And so I started getting clarity about everything I wanted, all of it, to a T, to a nuanced way that it's almost insane, right? And what I mean by that is I write down with massive detail the life that I want to have. Think about this. What is the mission of Think Unbroken? You read it when we started this. To end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information. Massive nuanced clarity. I didn't say I want to help people. I'm going to open the door and help somebody, right? And then taking action. Like that's the cure-all. Like that's the thing. If you are willing to face the fear of action, you close the gap and become the person on the other side of the chasm. And so every single day, even though I'm where I'm at today, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. When I work with my mentors and my coaches, when we have these conversations, I see what they've built in their life. Well, two things come to mind. One, I got to be patient because they're all kind of older than me. And two, it's like they all take just a ridiculous amount of action. They do it. They show up. They live their life. They do what they say they're going to do. And that's the thing that people have to do. This isn't like, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is going to catch people off guard. This shit ain't rocket science. Like really, honestly, I promise you, healing trauma is not rocket science. Learning to love yourself is not rocket science. Showing up in the world on your terms is not rock. It is, are you willing to do what it takes to have the life that you want to make? Mm. Or are you going to make excuses? You're welcome to make excuses. Hell, your excuses are valid. That's what's crazy about them. You know, I look at my life at 25, I, I used to tell people, this is just who I am. That like, talk about the ultimate fixed mindset. This is just who I am. 350 pounds, two packs a day, cheating on my girlfriend, complete asshole. Yeah. Okay. Be that person. And then what you realize if you're paying attention, if you choose that kind of language, this is just who I am. Inevitably. Two things are going to happen. One, you will always be in your own way. I was always in my own way, right? Yeah. And two, you're going to die with regret because you will not have lived the life that you are capable of living. And it's interesting. I, was, I watched this film the other night and it said at the end during World War I, 17 million people died. And yet here you are somehow, right? And of course, we know all the wars and hundreds of millions of people have died and more people have probably died than who have ever lived. But a lot of those people, like a lot, like really kind of a crazy amount, if you really look at it, a lot of those people before they died did incredible things. 
airplanes were invented and communications and fire and people have written the most beautiful books known to man. And we have access to information today. Thank God for YouTube, like for real, right? And podcasts and conversations because they, they show you possibility if you're willing to pay attention and take action. So am I the person that I believe that I am? Today I am, but I'm moving towards the me I believe I'm capable of being tomorrow. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I just wanted to go back to that point in your story where you were obviously at a rock bottom and your school reached out and said, we want to give you this program. And it's just that one person, isn't it? I mean, that person who decided you needed to be on that program, whoever that was, really did change your life. And I talk about this a lot, just that one person. I mean, how important is it, you know, and I'm sure there's been others throughout your life where there's just been life-changing moments for you. Can you talk a bit about those moments and how important it is? Yeah. And and look, what's really interesting about that, you can go look at resiliency surveys and studies around kids who come through traumatic experiences. And a lot of times just literally one person can be the difference between success and failure. Really. Right. And that's fascinating because we all just need somebody to believe in us. Like that's why people come into coaching programs with me. That's why we've worked with thousands of people around the world is because I believe in them. It's like, yo, it's not a competition. I don't know anybody who had a crazier childhood than me. Like, I'm, I think we can figure it out together, right? And so at, at, at 16 years old, this moment came to pass for whatever reason. Dumb luck. And here's what's, re- here's what's really interesting. The next year, they defunded that, no, that last chance program. It was the only year it ever existed. Wow. And I'm telling you right now, that program single-handedly changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. And, and there was an opportunity to say, no, I didn't have to do that. It wasn't court ordered. It wasn't state mandated. Somebody didn't come show up, knock on my door and say, you have to do this or else. It was like, do you want to do this or not? What are you willing to do? And I said, all right, let's go. And then, and then I did it. And it was incredible. I mean, like when I really think about what I learned in that during that time and those teachers, all of their names, I still remember, right? It was transformative because it was the first time anybody believed in me. You know, I had straight, straight D's and F's in elementary school. I had straight D's and F's in middle school. I had straight D's and F's in high school. And One, I hate school. I think it for people like me, it doesn't work. Like I'm an entrepreneur. I am a person who always pushes against the grain. You can't put me in a box. It doesn't work. I will fight my way through it. And and so school did not interest me, but being treated like a human did. And so that's what they did. They treated me like a person. We had real conversation. We talked about real shit. We talked about stuff like if you talked about in regular school, all those teachers would have got fired. (laughs) Seriously. Right. And, and from that, and then it was when I was 18 in in that moment of not graduating from high school, Mr. Bush, my business teacher, irony of all ironies, Mr. Bush fails me my senior year. And he, I go up to him, my girlfriend calls me, I'm at home and she's like, Hey, they posted the graduation list and you're not on it. And I was like, Yeah, I kind of figured that was going to happen. And so I get in my car, I drive to school, and I go up to his classroom, top floor, left-hand corner of the school, and I go, how dare you fail me? You know, just being an honorary 18-year-old. And he goes, I didn't fail you. You failed yourself. And then he told me the most important thing to this day that anyone has ever told me. He goes, if you want something in life, you got to earn it. You can't get by on your charms and your good looks. And I had to go to summer school and I was the embarrassment of the whole school. My girlfriend was embarrassed of me. I got uninvited from every graduation party. All of my friends stopped talking to me and I was a loser. I put myself in that position. But what's really interesting, if you actually like for me, like looking back on it, he was the only person that ever believed in me enough to not let me fuck up my life. 
Because if he would have just passed me, I don't think we'd be here right now. Right. And so those people who come into your life, sometimes it's luck, right? It's proxy, it's proximity. And then sometimes you have to go and seek them. That's where the investment comes in, right? That's where the betting on yourself comes in. I've paid a lot of money to be in close proximity to the people who I believe I can be like, and I model them. And I learn from them and I ask them questions and I read their books. I listen to their podcasts. I consume their content ad nauseum. Sometimes even I'm, I'm like, did I make that up or did I get that from them or where did that come from? Right. And that's because I'm always learning. I'm always trying to understand and, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be in that window with them. And sometimes it's hopping on a jet for a day meeting and coming back the next day at 5 a.m. Right. So I can record a podcast. And sometimes it's, I got to read the book or do the online course thing, but it all started with, with that initial betting on myself, go to some, go, go to this last chance program, see what happens. Right. And, and so many people are terrified to bet on themselves. I don't even mean financially, right? The financial stuff comes. Like, I know that. Trust me, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I see it constantly in my life. I'm like, the financial stuff will come. But the time and effort and energy that it requires to like have your life, like that's an upfront commitment. And that's terrifying to people because guess what? Now it's on your terms, right? And so you have to seek that that mentorship. You have to seek the coaching. You have to seek that education. And, and when you do so, like start where you are, you know, I, I couldn't afford anything at the beginning of this journey 12 years ago. In fact, I, again, I was 50 grand in debt in this Brendan Burchard course. Brendan is a, a high performance coach. He's one of the most famous coaches maybe in history, right? He's up there with Tony Robbins. He had this program. It was 50 bucks. And I was 50 grand in debt. And I was like, I don't think this is going to help me. But something tells me I should do it anyway. And I made the decision. And even though I was in that massive debt, I showed up and I did it. But before that, it was library books. And it was online video courses. And it was anything I could get my hands on. And so, you know, there's levels to this. Just start where you are. You know, I get it. Like not everybody has 25 grand to go get a coach, like respect. I know, but everybody can find $25 to buy a book and yeah. people will email me. I'll, I'll make this last point because I think this is massively important. People will email me and they will tell me that they cannot afford my book. And I go, I get it. That's why it's in the library for free. Yeah. What are you willing to do? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? If you want to change, you'll find a way. I think it's that some people just don't believe it's possible. And so they remain stuck and it's very sad to see that they don't feel there's a way out for them, but you talk about the importance of words on your healing journey. Can you talk a bit about the words that you used? Yeah, I think that's everything, right? I really truly do believe that's everything because we are what we tell ourselves we are. And and so many people predetermine what is going to happen in their life by the words that they use. You talked about it. You said people don't feel like they believe they can do it. It's because they're telling themselves they can't. They're saying, I can't, I shouldn't, I won't. It's not for me. It's for somebody else. I'm not good enough. It'll never work. Guess what? You already decided. I can't help you. You already decided. I can give you everything I know right here in front of you. But the second you go, not for me, not going to work. It's not going to work, period. And so you have to keep that in mind, the power of words, the power of the self-narrative. And you know, people talk about mindset in my, in my space all the time. They're like, mindset, 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 right? And it's like, but nobody ever really tells you what mindset means. And so mindset is this, what you think becomes what you speak, what you speak become your actions and your actions become your reality. 
If you tell yourself you can't, you will act like you can't, and then you can't. It's very linear. Like, honestly, it is. A to B to C. You tell yourself you can. You think that to yourself, and you start speaking, I can do this. Then you will take actions that reflect that. And on a long enough timeline, you can master any skill. But you got to put in the work. You can't, look, people get caught up in this, right? And they're like, I tried it once. Yeah, dummy. It didn't work. You did it once. Do it 5,000 times till you have proficiency. See how different your life is. And you've got to be willing to accept that truth. That Most people, Don, I'm telling you right now, 95% of the people who listen to this will never change their life. They won't. They've already decided. And so I, I focus on the 5% who will, who are willing to reach their hand out and say, I need help. I need guidance. I need support. I need the person who has done the thing that I'm trying to do to show me how to do that thing. But those people have decided that it's possible. It is decision-making. We live in the matrix. Do we live in the matrix literally? Maybe. But how would you know? That's the whole damn point. And, and the thing about human beings who've come through traumatic experiences, we often bend ourselves to the world, to what everyone else wants or needs from us, what they think we should be, right? The hard part, sometimes the they is actually us, right? We tell ourselves what we can't do, what we can't accomplish, what we can never have. And there's a scene in The Matrix. It's actually my favorite movie of all time. I watch, I've probably seen it like 300 times, like no joke. I, it's my go-to if I just want to watch something. And there's a scene, I remember seeing it the first time I was a little boy. I'm, I'm in the dollar movie theater with my mom. That's all we could ever afford. You, we could never go opening. The movie's been out for like five years at that point or like whatever, right? Because it's a dollar now. And there's a scene where the little boy is sitting on the floor in the Oracle's waiting room before Neo goes to meet the Oracle to find out if he's the one. And it's this really interesting scene. At first, if you're not really paying attention, it seems like, eh, whatever. But then you realize it's the most pivotal moment in the whole film series. And the little boy is sitting there and he's bending the spoon without touching it. And Neo looks perplexed and the little boy looks at him and he goes, you have to remember, it is not the spoon. That bends, but it is you, because there is no spoon. And what that really means, like if you, if you really like dissect that, it means that you have the power and the ability to shape your reality into whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be the thing you're born into, the chaos, the pain, the suffering, the hurt, the abuse. Does not have, that does not have to be where you are today. You were born into it. Yes, I get it. Trust me, I do. I didn't sign up to be the spokesperson for childhood trauma. It wasn't on my to-do list. Trust me, I had other shit I thought I was going to be doing with my life. And then I realized the truth about this idea of living in the matrix. So much of it really, truly believes with what we think and the words we use with ourselves. And there are people listening right now who they're saying things that are so mean to themselves that if they said it to me, I would punch them in the face. And they're expecting to be successful. Hmm. Don't you see the juxtaposition in that? Yeah. There's a loss there. And so when you change your words and you, you actually understand the representation of the power of those words in the world that we live in, when you say you can, you're bending the world to you. When you say you can't, you're bending yourself to the world. And so you need to think about those words because some of you are disqualifying possibility before you even put your running shoes on. Wow. Yeah. And I love everything you've just said. I mean, nobody's ever said it like that. And it's all the things that I always think. I'm so like, it's just so much the matrix world that we live in. I know we're running out of time and I could speak to you for days, but I noticed you posted a picture of your hand on Instagram and 
it's the hand where your mum cut your finger off. And I I noticed there was like a hesitancy. You said I, I you didn't feel like you were ready at some points to post this picture. What did it mean to post that picture? It's closing the gap. It's facing the fear of taking the action and doing it when you're scared. To me, it's like I could have written that piece and I could have just kept it on the, the Google folder and it never sees the light of day. But I posted that and then hundreds of people have reached out to me. Man, thank you for posting that and sharing that because this happened to me. Thank you for making me feel like I'm not alone because that happened to me. What is my mission in generational trauma? How can I do that if I don't talk about the darkness, right? And I didn't post that in this way of like, I need to post it to share because I've never shared it before. And I need like that space of healing to come because that's dumb. That ain't going to work on the internet. You need to figure that out elsewhere. That was that moment of hesitancy was, is it worth it to put more darkness in the world? There are things I'm telling you right now, Don, there are things that I've experienced and witnessed in my life that I will never publicly share. They are so dark that I cannot imagine a possibility that they bring any light to the world because they are that awful. And so I'm always very thought out about the information that I share, the way that I speak, the, the experiences that I share with people. Because I want to make sure that there's always the room for the light, right? And maybe I just haven't gotten to the place of understanding the room for the light on those other things because this is a journey. There's a lot of work still ahead. But I, I do know this. Like when I, when I put anything out into the world, it's always just simply asking myself, is this going to make a difference? Because if it's not, don't do it. Yeah. Well, I saw so much light in that picture because to me it just looked like you could see the pain but just the the strength and the power in that that picture you know it was an incredibly emotional and beautiful thing to post Michael you have a book and a podcast and you're doing so many things can you just share with us a little bit about where people can find you and what you're offering to people for healing yeah I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken and so that's all the platforms, but you can come over to thinkunbrokenacademy.com. You go to Think Unbroken Academy. We have a free community, hundreds of survivors, hundreds of warriors who are coming together. It's absolutely free. Of course, we have all kinds of paid events and books and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you can come find that stuff later. Come be a part of something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the key, isn't it? Being a part of a healing community is so important. Michael, thank you so much for today. Everything you've said has just resonated so deeply with me and I'm sure with everybody listening. Your story is obviously incredibly hard, but it's just a testament to the power of what can be done and how we can heal from and move on from everything that's happened to us because if you can, then... I believe anybody can. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and beauty with us today. Yeah, it's an honor, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.